Hello everyone, this episode is brought to you by Zencaster. If you've ever thought about podcasting before and realised that you need a lot of different tools and services, those days are over. With Zencaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and distribute to Spotify, Apple and other major destinations. It's now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You just log in using your browser and start recording high-quality podcasts straight away. We'll just record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests and feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have recordings in the highest quality even if the connection is unstable. Go to zencaster.com slash pricing and use my promo code CTHROUGHPANELPOD and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster's played can. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. Hello everyone uh, and welcome to C3 Panel. This is a comic book review and discussion podcast. My name is Fahed Rahman and today I am joined by Colton Strathman. Colton is a comic book creator from uh, Topeka, Kansas. He previously drawn the webcomic Spy and Spy, published on Instagram, and Lost Somewhere in Time on Tapas IO. Currently, he's writing the script and creating the art for a new comic called The Champions of Oblivion. How are you doing? Doing well. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. And uh, today we are going to be discussing, reviewing Black. F, um, and it's originally created by Blas Galigo, uh, with the new works by uh, Alec Worley and the Greek artist Danny. And I'll read out the quick blurb for that. A warrior with a name born of black rage that filled her heart. In a world of swords and sorcery, the evil tyrant Rasu discovers that he's destined to be killed by a warrior called Beth. Together with his men, Rasu seeks Beth out, destroying her village and killing all held dear to her. With the aid of a former warrior, the blind Quido, Beth becomes a skilled fighter and sworn enemy of all that is evil. She will not rest until her people are avenged. Um, so you chose this book. I sent you a list of uh, titles to review and this one was the one you chose. What drew you to it? Uh, definitely the first thing that drew me to it, uh, was Danny's art. Uh, I, I really like how, how stylized it is, but still kind of a little bit realistic. I, the first thing I saw were the color pages, uh, from that second to last story. And I really liked her color palette as well as the line art that she got with her inking. Um, so that was kind of the main thing. And, you know, with comics, I, I typically like genre fiction. So a sword and sorcery story like this seemed like it, it could be good for me yep so this is a bit of a weird book in a lot of ways so yeah. it's based of a so the original character was created part of a one shot of a uh, comic magazine called scream in 1988 um and we only really know the artist that was involved we don't know who wrote the original script so the original art and the first comic that's in this collection there's four 
uh, I think there's four or five stories in the in the comic book. Well, in the yeah. in the in this in this um anthology, um, we only know the artist on that one. He's uh, a guy called Blas Gallego, um, and we don't know anything else about it. Alec, I think, came across this comic growing up or something, and he's decided to bring it back and reimagine re re the character for kind of a, a modern um, age. So I think because there's four stories, it's probably worth approaching them uh, in kind of in the order in which they appear in the book. So um, do you want to kind of maybe start off just talking about the first script uh, the first story which is kind of an origin tale for black beth right so it starts off with this comic that was published in the 80s i think it mentioned that it was written actually in the the late 70s and when you open it up you can definitely tell i mean it has that art style that looks a lot like old like conan books or red sonia um just that realistic inking style um but the story is pretty straightforward it's it's got like a uh, guy finds a prophecy and kind of ends up fulfilling it himself. Uh, but it's sort of just a classic tale of revenge, um, sword and sorcery. When I first opened this book up, I was a little disappointed to see uh, this older comic in there. I'm I'm not typically as into comics written before the eighties. And so that I was kind of worried that it was going to be something like the, the seventies Marvel comics I've read that, have a lot of unnecessary captions and kind of slog along, but it, it was pretty decent. Um, it, it definitely read a little quicker than, than those. So uh, I was surprised to find that. And I enjoyed it. That first one more, more than I expected. Yeah. I mean, it's a very kind of, it is a basic story. Right. There's the, the other stories in the book. I think you've got kind of quite, there's kind of got twists and turns in the story where this is very much, uh, point A moves to point B, moves to point C, and you can kind of see where the story is going to be developing. I think the the main draw in terms of the story is the way that Black Beth is written and kind of you really get a really strong sense of how much rage is inside her and how there are very there are various characters trying to pull her back from kind of enacting her vengeance, knowing kind of it's a, a very dark path to to Definitely. go down. Um, and it's got, you know, Rousseau, I think that's how you pronounce his name. I, I think he's yeah. a, a great villain, kind of the sort of uh, uh, character you'd see in like um, a 1980s, 1970s um, B-movie schlock um, action adventure sword and sorcery movie. So, yeah. Yeah, Definitely. Um, I mean, what, what, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Oh, oh go just, ahead. you know, I, I thought it was good and I thought the art was great in the first one. I mean, it's definitely a lot different than what Danny's doing uh, in the later stories, but I, I do enjoy that, that art style. So, you know, the story serviced the art quite, quite well. Yeah. I mean, the art in the original story I felt was, I don't know if darker, but it was a lot, uh, maybe uglier in a lot of ways in terms of kind of, I think Danny kind of pretty pretties up a lot of the characters, which I think she's made Beth a little bit younger and uh, Quido um, a bit more handsome where in the original story, kind of you can see the scars coming out of Quido's eyes 
and yeah. kind of yeah and yeah definitely he's he's more disfigured in in the original version and i think they uh alec talked a little bit about that in the the blurb that kind of introed the story he wanted to make it more similar to like a, a ya movie and, and talked about you know making quito have that more liam Hem- hemsworth look i believe is what he said which is kind of an interesting choice yeah not one that i necessarily would have agreed with i kind of quite like the eight you know the idea of this I really I, I like ugly characters on the page right. i think they're very um there's not enough of them in my opinion yeah. kind of everything yeah especially with a lot of people using kind of this sort of um manga style art these days i think it kind of makes everyone look a little bit bland and have, give me give me some more ugly characters i'm more right, than happy yeah. to see them on the on, on the page for sure um, yes and kind of talking a little bit about the art and the original story um what i loved was the uh the, i think it's called the cross hatching and the shadowing that they they use in 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 the stories there's like a lot of um panels that could you, you if you blew them up you'd be happy to kind of have, have them as a um uh, a book cover or a poster on your wall and stuff like that definitely yeah um so the other two stories in the book um are the there's a couple of short ones i think the i think it's the magus of malice and the witch tree which again both have twists at the end of the tales sort of thing do you want to talk about um either of those or should we kind of move straight on to which i think is kind of the best story in the book which is black beth and the devils of al kadesh um i mean you know i don't have a whole lot to say about uh the stories on those um you know, I think it's just kind of a good introduction to see what these are going to look like and and shows us Danny's uh, inks without the colors. And that's kind of the main thing that I took away from them. But just really quick stories before we get into the main one. Yeah, so they're, they're just kind of quite short stories. I think actually maybe The Witch Tree is probably my favorite story of the three because it goes into kind of weird metaphysical explorations of like the meaning of death and life after death and um, all that sort of stuff. But I think yeah. probably the biggest story is um, uh, the devils of Al-Kadesh. It's so the, uh, the other stories in the collection are black and white. They've, you know, um, uh, kind of keeping in line with the original um, uh, strip or sort of original story. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas uh, the devils of Al-Kadesh is in full color um, why do you think they made the decision to move from black and white to to, to full color? And do you think if it was gained or lost in that tra- um, transition? Um, I mean, I, I definitely like the color. I think that uh, she does a good job with that limited color palette that she uses. That and it looks a lot like watercolor. I and I I do really enjoy that style. Um, I don't know exactly why they would do that. I maybe just for a slightly more modern look. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure. Do you have any thoughts on on why they would have done that? I'm I'm not sure. I think sometimes, sort of what kind of reading through Alex's like um forward. I think this is it's it felt like to me it was something he's maybe trying to pitch to 
like Netflix or something like that in terms of having like, yeah, that's, I mean, it doesn't actually say that in the, in the, in the full word, but this is, I think this is very much a character he's attracted to. And um, if you've got like, if you can kind of show proof of concept of how you would imagine the world appearing on screen, having this kind of full color adaptation kind of makes a, makes a, a lot of sense. Or maybe it might just be Danny saying to Alec, I would really love to tell this story in full color. I don't, I don't know, but um, those are kind of maybe my two theories. Yeah. Uh, I think about that. both of those make sense. Yeah. Maybe he wanted to do a little bit more with this and, you know, maybe they still will. Um, but yeah, it, I think the colors, I, I really enjoyed them again. That was one of the things that, that drew me to it. Um, so, you know, maybe even that's it, just getting that art out there. Uh, I think it's a little easier to sell a color comic than a black and white to a massive audience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, kind of, I was reading other reviews on this online and one of the um, comparisons that Danny's art has drawn is with um, Sergio Toppi. Are you familiar with him? at all i've i've seen it a little bit um i i'm not super familiar with it but i've yeah. i've looked through one of his art books and i i can definitely see that yeah there's kind of definitely a, a familiar especially with the way that she uses the colors in this kind of um when sergio kind of colors his books um he definitely kind of you know uses a very limited color palette and you can kind of see I love seeing kind of one character just being kind of washed in a particular color. So there's uh, there's a panel where I think one of the wizards or like priests in the in the um, uh, uh, Devils of Al Kadesh is kind of colored purple, and like Beth's taking on like a completely different color. And I really like that aspect in in storytelling. Yeah, I think I just pulled up that page. That that is really cool. It's got a good contrast on there. Yeah, exactly. Contrast is uh, the the um, perfect word um in terms of the kind of the way you feel the, the the artwork develops for each one of those um story could you kind of see like um a particular theme or particular aspects of each character that they've that um danny was kind of working on improving or changing and stuff like that themes on the character as yeah. far as that uh, i don't have a whole lot that I'm noticing on, on that. I mean, I think that they remain pretty consistent as far as how they're illustrated. Um, I just got like a feeling that um, with uh, Beth particularly, I felt that she was in, in the original story, I felt that she's kind of quite a mature woman. And I think with, um, with Danny's art, she becomes slightly younger but harder in some ways. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, definitely between the the book that was that Blas Gallego put out and and Danny's version, she definitely looks a lot younger, a lot less. I don't know, maybe a lot less like sensual. Kind of, there's yes. some poses in the original story where it's kind of like she's kind of like in weird, not, not necessarily sexy poses, but kind of like showing off like the length of her body and stuff like that. And I don't yeah, think there's I, as much of that in the newer stories. I think that's definitely true. I mean, I, I feel like, you know, and that just might be a product of, of the time that that originally original one was, was written. Um, and now, you know, they're, they're really showing off that her kind of the warrior aspect of her in a lot of these poses that, that Danny's drawn. I yeah. mean, she still has 
like a pretty look to her, but you can definitely see her as a more formidable warrior. I think in, in some of these images that Danny's put on the page. Yeah. Uh, 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 yeah, that's great. Um, I just wanted to, what, what else do I wanted to kind of like um, talk about with, with the uh, books I've kind of talked about kind of like the transition from color to black and white. Um, I mean, I, I just yeah, one I thing to, I wanted to bring up a little bit with, yeah, uh, Danny's art that that really struck me. I I mean, if you look at the environments, I, I love the way she uses kind of just like a scribbly line in a lot of these, but it it really sells exactly what it is. It doesn't look like you know it was completely uncontrolled, but it has this kind of erratic movement to it that I feel like adds to the movement of the whole page, and but still like so. It just describes the form so well, despite looking so scribbly, and that that's really interesting to me. I've I've haven't really seen many artists do that, and I that's sure, something that I thinking up a particular page in in. Um, I could push uh one uh check out fifty two. There's kind of this mountain area next to the the ocean, and then a building kind of in the background, and like if you look at the detail on, on the rocks. It's very scribbled. She does it quite a bit in here, but that's just an example of it. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, so I think that's one of the actual big differences between, um, Danny and the original, uh, artist, uh, uh, Blas. If Blas was drawing this particular thing, you could kind of tell that he would probably take ages kind of like detailing, each rock on sure. and kind of DJ and whereas that this is kind of like very much more impressionistic. You can kind of tell where the shadows are, where the the contours of the cliff are without actually putting that much detail. I mean, it looks exactly. Yeah. She doesn't yeah, yeah, necessarily yeah. describe the form completely accurately, but in a way that you can totally understand what you're looking at. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's really cool. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that's, yeah, that's, that's a really great, great point to make. And I think um, I really love some of the decisions that she made in terms of um, the character and the creature design, especially in the last story, kind of there's these awesome looking like crab. Yeah. Yeah. The the carrion eaters, I believe they call them. Yeah. 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 Those, those are cool. And that's another thing that's kind of interesting about uh, the direction that the new team went. Cause the original story doesn't really have a lot of, fantasy elements like creatures or it's magic very light it's, in terms I mean, of we've got a witch it's basically yeah, there's a prophecy it, yeah. and and a witch but yeah the the new one really kind of digs into more of the fantasy elements that i think uh alec probably grew up with and and mm-hmm. wanted to add to that original story and i i think that it it does improve it somewhat it or at least gives more of a, a visual than the original story had in there that I like. Yeah. I think um, I would agree with that um, in terms of it's kind of like going from like a low budget thing where they might not have a lot of money for like special effects to something that's a little bit more higher budget. And they've decided to kind of push the, um, push the poet out a bit on kind of creature designs and stuff like that. That's kind of how it felt kind of um, felt to me. Um, There's a series of books called, um, are they called let me just google it quickly uh gray uh, 
Yeah, so there's a series of books um, by uh, Fritz Lieber called uh, Fafford and the Grey Mauser. And it's about these two adventurers going on kind of like various um, journeys um, and misadventures. And the later um, Black Beth stories very much reminded me of those um, of of those uh, novels where you're not necessarily going on a trek with a likable character. I don't think Beth is very likable. She's very kind of like tetchy and kind of rude almost to everyone around her. And there was kind of points that I was kind of thinking, well, why are um, <laughs> her mentor, why is her mentor still hanging around? And why is kind of like yeah. the witch still helping her? And it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like an interesting thing. There's something that uh, about her that kind of binds certain people right. to her as well. Yeah, for whatever reason they want to stick with her. Yeah, so I thought I thought that was also kind of quite um quite interesting, uh as well. So what were your kind of like final thoughts? We've been talking about the book for about um twenty minutes. Uh, is this something you'd recommend other people to check out, or would you like to see more um comics and stories featuring these characters as well? Um, you know, I, I think I'd recommend it, uh, to people who want to check out the art. I, I really want to see more from her for sure. Um, I think maybe I, I wouldn't mind seeing more from the, this team, uh, now that they've kind of gotten established and, and gotten past kind of the original one. And now we can just put out the modern stuff. Um, again, I, I don't know that the story really resonated too heavily with me, but it, it was enjoyable and it, it serviced the art really well. Um, but I don't know that I'm dying to, to have another collection of these stories. Yeah. I I think I feel sort of the same way. I'd love to see more stuff from this team. I'm not necessarily sure I'd like it to be with this character necessarily, but if it's, if that's the only way that these two can work together, then that's what I'll, I'll, what I'll take. I think Beth is an interesting character. I think there's, there is potential to kind of like do another kind of series of like short stuff. I'm not sure if it's a character that could maybe sustain something like a graphic novel or an ongoing series. I think it would very be very much kind of like, you know, you get those, um, uh, Hellboy short stories in between kind Sorry. of like yeah, that is that sort of thing. I could kind of see not like an ongoing thing, but kind of like these short, short stories kind of like 10 20 pages one shots and stuff like that but yeah yeah I, I, yeah no i i think that, that that would be good you know i i do kind of, i would be kind of interested in seeing what they would do and how she would develop if it was a more long form story um you know maybe they could get into the character a little bit more than they've had a chance to now or with short stories and and maybe that's kind of what i'm feeling like it it lacks just a little bit more character depth on all these people. Um, I, so that, that would maybe be my one argument for trying to see what, what they could do with a graphic novel. But I think you're definitely right on, on saying that short stories probably work best for this type of story. Yeah. And kind of Danny's art is amazing. And I'll, I'll be definitely kind of like keeping an eye on whatever she's, whether they're going to be working on and releasing next as well. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So um, I think that's a recommendation, sort of recommendation from both of us. I think you should check it out. Yeah. But yeah. It's, um, yeah. Uh, anyway. So let's uh, talk a little bit um, about you. Um, so right. one of the first questions I kind of like to ask people is why comics? 
Um, you know, I it's a pretty big question, but I, I feel like it's just it's one of the best ways I feel like you can really put your art out and and show that as the final image as far as a, a narrative type thing. You know, I know artists can work on movies and TV, but you de- de- don't necessarily have as much of a say in the final product. And with comics, you're really seeing exactly what you're drawing on the page. And, and that really appeals to me. Okay. That's and, interesting. And uh, yeah. And like, to be honest, the reason I first got into comics was like, as a kid, I, I enjoyed drawing. And so I liked the idea of having a reference for all sort of different poses and, and images that you can get through comic books. And, and so that was kind of one of the things that drew me to them initially. Yeah. What type of comics did you read going growing up? So when I was like really young, I, I gravitated more towards some manga stuff. I, I liked the Dragon Ball stuff just because I was watching that cartoon and I started finding them in the bookstores. So I, I would pick up stuff like that. And then like when I got to about my teens, I kind of got back into comics and was into mostly Marvel stuff. Uh, so just kind of getting into that stuff a little bit before the, the movies started coming out. Okay. That's that great. What kind of, what type of uh, Marvel comics were you, were you reading? Was it Spider-Man? Uh, the main, yeah. main thing, uh, Thor, Thor was the character that oh, I okay. gravitated oh, okay. toward the most. Um, and then just from there, I kind of expanded into the rest of the universe, picking up different event titles. This was, I got into it about, like around the time that uh, the Civil War comic came out. Oh, okay. So I I read that and from there kind of got into other characters from reading that and, and would check out the events. And that was kind of a good way to get into different people and would just buy basically trades of, of different characters and, and try out different things. But mainly stayed in the Marvel Universe for a while and then finally kind of expanded into the to DC stuff. And at this point I'll read all kinds of stuff and mostly uh, image comics at this point is where I, I kind of gravitate. Yeah. I mean, I can't do ongoing series anymore. Kind of, I can't do the Marvel or DC stuff. It's just like, it takes too much time and money yeah. to kind of like keep up with like 14 different titles about one character. And yeah, it's just give me like yeah, the sort of trade paperback, please, where I can kind of just get, yeah, it's just, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. At this point, I, I I'll follow a couple series from them, but it's I like the limited series a little bit more. Yeah, I, I definitely feel kind of the, the the same way. So you mentioned you kind of started drawing from like a young age um, in terms of the the comics and um, st- stuff like that. Kind of looking at your art now, kind of what is your process? Do you on paper is it digital do you work from home or is it a, a studio set up yes so i i work from home uh mostly on on paper traditional so i, I just on a 17 by 11 bristol board with pencil and then ink uh is basically my process i i do a little bit on the ipad i like i kind of come up with my layouts on there just because it it makes it a little easier if while i'm coming up with stuff to have a, a digital thing where I can easily get rid of it or move stuff around. And then from there I'll copy that onto the page and then just start developing it on the page until it's ready for inks. Okay, cool. Do that. 
and then a little bit of cleanup on an iPad later. Okay, so is there a particular reason why you're using kind of like paper and stuff? Because a lot of the people I've spoken to do use digital and they mention kind of just the convenience factor of the fact that, you know, they can kind of clean up mistakes quite quickly and stuff like that. Or is it, do you prefer working with paper because that's just something you're you're comfortable with, even though it's a little bit more Um, time consuming? I mean, yeah, I, it's partially just because I'm I'm comfortable with it. I I enjoy that process, and I I like the idea of having like the original pages. Um, you know, I, I feel like if at some point I get to the point where you know there's a little bit more demand for my work, I like the idea of being able to sell not only the pages um, as a comic book and do that, but potentially sell the the original art as well. Okay, that that's um that's interesting, um, and. It might be a bit of a weird question. When you are drawing, do you have any music or podcasts or TV shows or films on in the background, or is it kind of a, a, a silent activity? Uh, I mostly listen to, to podcasts when I draw. Okay, well, what, what podcasts are you listening to at the moment? Uh, a lot of comedy stuff. Um, Doughboys uh, is one, uh, Hollywood Handbook, Comedy Bang Bang, a lot of stuff kind of from the Hollywood improv community. Okay. That they've- and do you find that um, has any kind of uh, influence or effect on what you're drawing? Because, for example, if you're listening to a comedy podcast and you're drawing a very dramatic, sad, uh, depressing scene, do you find that has any effect on like the decisions that you make? Uh, I mean, not really. I feel like I've I've kind of by the time I'm actually drawing, I've I've come up with my plan, and I'm it's pretty easy with a comedy podcast to be able to, if I need to focus on something, I can tune it out a little bit. Uh, I I guess the one part where it affects me the most is if something like a joke hits and I I do laugh, uh, that makes it so I have to pause a little bit so that I'm not scribbling on the page. But it doesn't really impact the images, I I don't think. Okay. Okay, that's that's good. Um, And in terms of like the the artistic style that you employ, are there any kind of like um stylistic influences that you um are aware of at the moment or is it just kind of like um an osmosis of everything that you've kind of um observed and read over the years um i mean it's it's definitely an osmosis but like right now i'd say that like my biggest influence uh who's working right now is daniel warren johnson are you familiar with his work um, no but then again i'm really terrible with names so i might have oh, okay. seen some stuff that he's he's been in but yeah yeah what was he uh, worked on so he's he, he mostly does books with image um i think his first kind of breakout one that he did through image was extremity then he did oh Murder yeah I've read, I've read extremity yeah okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. yep that that's him so he's one who I like, and he's got a, a YouTube channel that you can watch. Like every every Friday, he does a live stream, and so he's uh, watching how he works has really influenced the way I work. Just seeing how quickly he can get things on paper and the way he inks so freely, I, I'm definitely not at that point yet. But it it makes me feel more comfortable, and and he has no problem pulling out like white out if he messes up, and that's that kind of made me feel more confident to transition from just doing pencils to ink. So that was a, a big, big deal for me in my process. Okay, cool. And um, kind of in terms of like changing your process, is that something that you're constantly working on or are you kind of like quite settled in the way that you're working at the moment? Um, I, I feel more settled now, but like 
the past few years, um, I've definitely changed a lot. I mean, if you look at the the work that I published like three years ago, I feel like it looks nothing like what I'm currently doing. Just I am always trying to get get better and kind of redefine what my style looks like. Like I I like a, a much thicker line than I used to have. I especially when I worked in pencils and. But yeah, I'm I'm always trying to develop it and look at different people and and see if there's something that I can use within my own work. I feel like that's a process that hopefully is is always evolving and changing and and growing as an artist. Yeah, I think one of the things that I've that's repeatedly come up talking to other artists on this po- uh, podcast is how many of them want to push the way that they work and kind of like become more efficient and try out different um not necessarily styles but try and kind of push their style and the stories that they tell in kind of different directions that are quite difficult for them as well yeah, yeah so i think that's something that's definitely very um uh, common as as well so um i wanted to kind of talk a little bit about the the two web comics that you've you've done kind of like spy on spy and lost somewhere in time usually i i've got enough time to kind of read these things i've only kind of looked at a couple of um couple of strips so do you want to kind of talk about um each one of those in turn so maybe starting with spy and spy and what inspired you to kind of like tell start telling that story and stuff like that sure uh spy and spy uh you know that one was a script basically fully developed by another guy i i met him on reddit and basically we talked about you know some different ideas and and he pitched that one just basically uh two kind of very different spy characters uh kind of start off as rivals and end up uh working together um and it kind of has like a a more cyberpunk setting or slight slightly futuristic setting um i mean just that style was really appealing to me at the time i i really liked the cyberpunk look and was kind of looking at different stuff like that uh, and so when he pitched that idea to me, I I was interested and decided to go with that. And so that's kind of that one. Um, and then, oh, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so I was just going to ask, um, when you're kind of working on like a web comics or something like that, do you have like um, an idea of how long it's going to be going on for? Or is you just getting kind of like the scripts every couple of weeks or every month and that sort of thing? Yeah, so with that one, um, basically before I started working on it, I wanted to do uh, like a, a shorter one shot. My desire was for it to be about 30 pages. I think that one ended up being almost 50 just because of the story required it. And it just had a lot to do with you know me wanting to work out my process. And that was kind of the, the first full comic that I had written that wasn't just like pulled from sample scripts online. And so it was partially just... I wanted that for my education and, and to build as an artist, just to have something and, and get it done. So that one, uh, yeah, it was. We knew how long it was going to be after the the first script was written because it, it was like that one shot. And then the other one, um, I think we had talked about it being a, a four issue, basically graphic novel web comic uh, when we created it. So yeah, we we knew how long each of them were going to be when we did them. Okay, cool. And were both of them with the same writer? No, uh, they were actually both different writers. Okay, cool, cool. And how did you find working on like the, the Tapas IO platform? Uh, I didn't, I, I didn't love it. It's, I feel like the community is a little different than what I'm used to. It's, 
a lot more, um, I don't know, it, it just felt different than the comics that I, I'm used to. And a lot of the formats on there are similar to, to Webtoon, if you're familiar with yeah, that, yeah, where yeah. it's kind of the endless scroll. And I, I don't work like that. And I, I didn't really adjust how I did it. It was kind of, I, I decided to publish there after I had started working there just because I had, I saw that it was a relatively popular webcomic space. Uh, but I don't know that it necessarily works for kind of the traditional comics that I want to do as well. I mean, I think some people have had success there, but I, it wasn't, I don't feel like that community necessarily matched my style as well. Yeah. I think with Webtoon and Tapas.io that there's definitely a big community of readers that enjoy manga style comics um with that kind of like you know uh, your manga influenced art and there are a lot of infinite scroll comics which i'm fine with it so long as it's like a short story but if you're asking me to read like a 30 chapter story i kind of get a little bit um like a bit bored i kind of i kind of scroll through the story too quickly without enjoying and read um relishing the art if you know what i mean yeah exactly yeah i mean i I feel like a big part of creating comics for me is you know that typical page layout and and so just showing one panel at a time doesn't quite work as well for what i'm i'm looking for in comics i I want the full page i've i have read a couple of comics we've actually reviewed a couple of comics on the uh, on the podcast that are hosted on like webtoons and tapas.io that are kind of similar to a traditional web comic um and it it worked okay there um it's just sometimes i don't know i think kind of like digital digital well yeah especially with the stuff that's something we've got comicsology at the moment um kind of i don't think there's been a good platform for comics digitally Right. Really, I think that each you know you've got webtoons and then you've got comicsology and they've kind of each got their own flaws uh, in a way. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of um, uh, uh, a thing. So uh, let's talk a little bit about Champions of Oblivion. Um, kind of what it's about. Um, are you writing it or is it someone else? So yeah, th- this one uh, I'm I'm writing completely on my own. Um, but it, it's it's a story. It's pretty grounded it, it takes place in a high school it's it's about uh a young girl who basically is really good at this uh fictional fighting video game called champions of oblivion and she's kind of gotten a streaming channel that's gotten relatively popular and basically the the beginning of the story is uh there's a esports team at her school that finds her channel and invites her to to join the team and so she kind of has to decide if she's going to be able to work as a team or continue to kind of go on her own and that's kind of the the basic idea and kind of the the reason I wanted to write this story um I like the idea of kind of mixing the the real world images of kind of a high school or modern day uh world with the more fantastical images when I'm depicting the the fighting uh, in within the video game, so it kind of gives me that grounded work as well as being able to sh- show like pretty violent um, fighting scenes and kind of shifting back b- between the two of those. But you know the the story is very slice of life and there's not really a fantasy element of it outside of the video game, but it does allow me to to drop both both styles. Okay, um, and. Is this the first comic that you've had any kind of writing duties on or is it? 
Yeah, so um, on Lost Somewhere in Time, I kind of wrote the plot uh, before handing it off to a writer to actually do the scripting. Yeah. Um, but this one, yeah, this is the first time I've actually sat down and, and written a script. And kind of what is your writing process like? Do you Have you written out kind of like a full script? Um, and if you are writing in script, kind of what format are you using? Yeah, so um, I do full scripts. I, I started it off just basically with an outline and then have kind of gone in and written it, you know, each page, uh, panel descriptions, everything, and, and write down dialogue. You know, sometimes where I'm both the writer and artist, I'll kind of use that script as a jumping off point. And if I feel like uh, the art needs to either expand or shrink down from what I've originally written, I can do that very easily. But I do like having that that full guide and but yeah, that's that's basically my process with that. Okay, yeah, that's that's interesting. Um, a lot of artists I've spoken to who also do their own writing. Um, what some of them do is they don't write full scripts. They kind of um, pencil out the story and then kind of like write little bits of dialogue and then kind of see where it takes it, which to me just sounds like a complete nightmare. Yeah, so to write like that, it's kind of like yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like to have more of a a guide than that. I, I'm not as much of a seat of my pants artist like. But so it is nice to have at least an outline to work with. You know, sometimes my my final dialogue isn't what I've written in the original script, but it kind of gives me the the mood of the characters and can draw it. But yeah, I, I like to have a pretty fleshed out script before I go to art. Okay, that's 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 interesting to know. And I, I'm assuming you do your own lettering as well. Is that um, something that you find challenging? Because I know when I've written comics. Um, the artist has usually come back and me get back to me and said, right, you've written too much dialogue there. Can you kind of edit it down? And what I've taken to do now, well, what I did do was when I wrote a script, I would kind of lay out kind of like a, you know, how many panels I've said there. And then I'd kind of place the dialogue inside those panels to see if it would kind of fit without obscuring too much um, dialogue. How you find the, the lettering process, is that something that you need to take on board now when you're kind of like writing? So I actually, I don't do uh, the lettering as far as um, like the dialogue. I'll, I'll do lettering as it interacts with the art, like any uh, sound effects stuff. I'll do that. Or if there's like lettering within like a location, like say there's a sign or something, I'll, I'll put uh, letters down for that. But I, I don't do my own like uh, speech bubbles with, with the lettering in there. I'm, I'm not confident enough with my handwriting and ability to, to lay that down. Okay, I suppose because you um you are drawing kind of like analog, and I'm just assuming a lot of people just like drawing digitally, so they'll probably use something like um not Photoshop. What's the vector one for for um Adobe? What was that Illustrator? Yeah, Illustrator, something like that to um to do the uh, um lettering. But yeah, you, you know, you know it's, that, that, that's quite interesting that you don't feel confident doing your own lettering, even though you've drawn drawn the art. Right. Yeah. I, and, you know, maybe at some point that's something I, I get into and, and maybe I do even do it digitally, but I just I don't know as much about lettering yet. So I, I always find people online to do do the lettering. I think that's um that's really admirable, knowing kind of like where your strengths and weaknesses are. And so right, I'm not actually ready to take on this part of the process and handing it off to someone else. I think there's. I think it's quite brave to do that because I know, yeah. that, especially um, if you're kind of like the the artist and writer, it's um, kind of hard. I imagine it would be harder to kind of hand over kind of like part of the process to someone else to do. 
Yeah, I mean, thanks for saying that. Uh, you know, with comics, I feel like as I've been working on it, I always do kind of see it as a collaborative medium. And, you know, each time I, I maybe take on a little bit different responsibilities or, or more as I do more uh, different projects. But I do like the collaborative process of it and, you know, handing it to someone else and kind of seeing what they bring to it. There's something almost magical about when you send your, your pages off without letters and then you get it back and it, it really does kind of look so much more professional and, and like a real comic after someone's done that so I, I i really enjoy the collaborative process of it okay that's that's uh that's not uncommon a lot, a lot of the the artists i've spoken to um pretty much uh same say the same thing um let's move kind of ch- change track a little bit okay. um let's ask another kind of big question uh what does success look like to you um you know i think that this is something that will continue to evolve but i feel like right now what I'm hoping to get to is to get to a point where I have, you know, enough of a following that I can put stuff out and it's it's supported either financially or just has, you know, that consistent batch of readers that are always looking for my new stuff. You know, that's that's really what I'm wanting right now or, you know, to be able to put out a, a Kickstarter or some sort of crowdfunding thing and, and know that I have a, a group of people who are dedicated to my stuff. That's that's kind of what success looks like for me right now. You know, I'm sure that'll change when and if I get to that point. You know, maybe there'll be other things that I, I want to reach for, but but that's where I'm at right now and, and what I, I'm looking for for success in comics. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's that, that. That's good to hear in terms of just wanting to have a kind of a, a, an audience that's kind of wanting to read your book. Um, in terms of the stories that you're going to be kind of telling going forward, have you got like a preference for long form versus short form, or is it just? dependent on kind of what you know what's percolating in the back of your brain i think it's kind of dependent i mean i definitely want to continue to do more long form and long form in that i like maybe 12 issues max i i really don't love the idea of doing like a a long ongoing i feel like i would get kind of burnt out on doing the same characters for that long especially i mean where comics at this point isn't my full-time thing. So it it does take me quite a while to create a full issue. And so if I'm creating 50 issues, I feel like I'd be working on the same characters forever, you know? And so so I I prefer something I can kind of get what I need to say out there and move on to the next thing. Okay, cool. And, um, so we, okay, when you are kind of creating stories, uh, whether it's kind of at the script stage, or if you've been sent a script that you've been asked to, uh, illustrate, what does your research process look like? Um, I mean, if I'm creating from someone else's script, uh, it's just a lot of kind of uh, either Google or Pinterest, different um, stylistic ideas and kind of see how other people have done something similar just to kind of get that in the back of my mind and, and then kind of start sketching what I think characters should look like in that world. Um, if I'm creating my own script, you know, I kind of We'll look into, you know, like this one where it's about esports. I've kind of looked into different forums and kind of seen how these people are talking about the, the fighting game community and listening to, to stuff like that to kind of understand more about it. Um, but a lot of it is visual research since I, I, I do kind of identify as more of an artist than a writer at this point. So, yeah, it's it's just kind of looking at how other people have solved the same problems and then uh, basing my own stuff on that. Okay. So um, you kind of mentioned Pinterest there. Um, Is that kind of a tool you use quite often? Because I think you may be the second or third person I've spoken to that I've mentioned 
mentioned that? Um, I use it a decent amount. I feel like I, I used to use it a little more. Um, at this point, I feel like it, it started getting pretty cluttered with all the things that I was saving on there. And, and so now I'm a little quicker to just get on Google and, and type up exactly what I'm looking for in that moment and then kind of just do some sketches based on that vibe uh, rather than have the Pinterest boards. But I, I think that it is a good resource and you can kind of separate your different ideas or story types into different boards so it's nice to be able to go in there but i haven't used it as much within the last year but it, it's definitely been a resource that i've messed around with quite a bit and would not mind getting back into yeah, and you kind of mentioned kind of doing research for the, the fighting game comic that you're working on at the moment i watched a really interesting short uh documentary about the uh, i think it's the tekken scene in pakistan um and is 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 just wild how like in pakistan um it's not easy to get hold of the gaming systems that they play these games on and they can get the entire scene is kind of like these sort of like jerry rigged gaming systems and um they've had to develop like weird grips because the cabinets that they're working on but that they play on have got like sharp edges oh wow so they, they, they they've developed like different grips to kind of avoid kind of scraping the sides of the hands and stuff like that but they're kind of coming from that scene and being able to actually go to places like um korea and japan and have like actual tournament success is kind of like quite interesting so it's, you know it's it is one of those things well you know especially with the older generation people might be thinking why is wasting your time playing video games but there is kind of like a path for success and there is a community out there of people that right. it's it's weird with fighting games because the, the way they portrayed it in the documentary there is definitely a community of people supporting each other but there's also kind of a rivalry at the same time because um, while they're pushing each other, they still want to be the best For sure. as well. So yeah, yeah, so that's also an interesting dynamic as well. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Do you remember the name of that documentary? I I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'll I'll email you the YouTube. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Um. So just a couple of more questions. I've realised we're coming. Yeah, we're coming up to an hour. So um, you've kind of talked about this champions of of the oblivion. Um, what is coming after after that? What are you kind of working on next? Um, you know, I, I haven't exactly developed what that is. I, I kind of want to maybe work with a, another writer at this point. Um, so I was going to kind of put together some samples after I'm finished with, with this and, and start posting about that and see, you know, if there's another story that uh, kind of grips my attention from someone else. I, I like the idea of, you know, taking some time to maybe marinate on different ideas that I have and start developing another script. Uh, rather than going right into another book that I've I've written myself. Okay. So to okay. kind of do, um, yep, go ahead. Yeah, and kind of um, the other couple of questions I wanted to kind of ask you, uh, what are you reading lately? Is there any comic books, movies, uh, music that you kind of like is inspiring you or that you think people should be um, kind of listening, reading, stuff like that? Um, well, right now I'm reading, I'm, for the first time, I'm actually going back and reading uh, Akira, the manga. I, I know it's okay, a, yeah. a huge manga, but I, for whatever reason, I hadn't read it at this point, And I'm just about finished with that. Uh, and that's that's been really awesome. I've, I've really enjoyed that. Um, you know, some other stuff. Uh, Daniel Warren Johnson's newest comic uh, finished up a little while ago, uh, Do a Powerbomb. And I definitely recommend that. Uh, it's got awesome fighting scenes that's, in it. Yeah, that's oh, on a lot of people best of the year lists yeah. isn't it so yeah, yeah that's great i mean it's super emotionally resonant and has really cool action i feel like it just hits kind of all the beats that i want to see in a, in a comic so that that was big um and then uh chainsaw man is one that i'm i'm loving uh 
kind of continue reading that week to week as it, it comes out on, on the Viz app. Um, kind of read that for a little while, but that's a really enjoyable book as well. Okay, cool. So, I mean, th- those are all free comics that I've kind of heard of. Well, I've read, I've read Akira like ages and ages right. ago. And yeah. it's really interesting how they adapted that from the manga, which is such a sprawling epic to like a 90 minute film and still capture the essence right. of what the what the manga is about so yeah so that's um that's kind of like an exercise for like anyone that's looking to like adapt one story into another format i think that's kind of like maybe the best adaptation that's ever been done but uh, that's maybe debate for um nice yeah um, and i i have yet to see the the film i'm waiting oh, to finish dude, the book dude, yeah i, oh, I know yeah. <laughs> i'm in a couple of weeks, I'll, I'll be able to sit down and yeah. watch that for the first time. So I'm excited. I've heard it's pretty different from the manga, but kind of still has the same ideas. Yeah, right? it's got so many of the same ideas. It's um, yeah, it's it's it is very different. I mean, kind of when you've got like a manga that's going on for it must be like thousands of pages. Yeah, yeah, yeah and definitely. Kind of, yeah. I think each yeah. volume's between 300 and 400 yeah. pages, and there's yeah. six of them. Yeah. So. Yes, easily, easily that. Um, yeah. So uh, just a couple of questions to finish off. Is there anything that um, I didn't ask you that I should have? Is there anything you want to talk talk about? I feel like we covered it, everything that I was kind of thinking we'd talk about today. So I appreciate that. Great. So the last question is, can you please tell the listeners where they can find you, uh, social media, website, all that good stuff? So I'm pretty much just on uh, Instagram at CFS Drawing. Uh, so check me out there. I post different pages that I'm working on or fan art, and that's kind of the best place to follow me if you want to see what I'm up to. Okay, great. And uh, where will be they be able to find um, Champions of Oblivion? Yeah, champ- yeah, Champions of Oblivion. Where will they be able to find that when uh, it's going to be released? So I haven't quite figured that out yet. So just follow the Instagram, okay. and I'll keep people updated there. Okay, great. So. Uh, thank you very much, Colton. Thank you. Um, okay, guys. So that's the episode. Again, I'll give my usual uh, blurb at the end of the episode. If you can please follow us on social media at See Through Panel. If you want to email us, it's at See Through Panel at gmail.com. And uh, if you can put some money in the tip jar, there's a link in the episode description below. Cole is doing some really excellent work on our YouTube channel with comic book reviews i guess but he doesn't really kind of spoil anything and then he just kind of like talks about what he likes about um the graphic novels that he's bought recently um let's say bye colton bye bye